Thank you, uh, Dan, and um, that's very, very uh, gracious and kind of you. What a great uh, chance to be here. Um, I, I, I've spoken here a couple times, and uh, whenever I get asked back, it's a really cool thing for me uh, because I didn't get a lot of second dates in high school, and, um, and, I'm, and I'm working through that issue, and uh, uh, it's always fun to get a second request to come back, and uh, you never have to twist my arm to open up God's Word. I think it's the most exciting book on the planet. And one of my prayers is never to bore somebody with God's Word. And um, this morning I, I w wanted to uh, speak on whatever you guys wanted to direct me on. So I asked, what should I, uh, what should I preach on? And uh, they gave me very specific directions. They said, preach on Jesus. <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that narrows it down. And so I think we're going to talk from the Scriptures today and from the Word of God. And so if you love Jesus, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word with me? And if you would, turn with me to Psalm, Psalm chapter 138. Psalm 138 will be our uh, text for us this morning. And uh, David, the psalmist, writes these words. He says, I give, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things. Above all things, above all things, your name and your word. On the day that I called you, on the day that I called you, you answered me. My, my strength of my soul, you increased. And all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord." For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, and the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will, the Lord will, the Lord will fulfill his purposes for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Would you pray with me? Father, we, uh, we stand uh, much like our cultures around the world that uh, rise to their feet when the presence of, of um, kings are in the room. And so, Father, we stand to our feet this morning because the king of kings is in the room. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would teach us from your word that you would do an adjustment of our attitudes even here this morning. And, and Lord, I'm keenly aware, aware that, um, that nobody in this room came to hear, hear me today. Uh, but we've all come to hear from you, the King of Kings. And so we pray that you would bless your word to our lives. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've... Um, I've noticed something lately, and maybe you've discovered it too, that it seems like these days everybody has an attitude. Uh, everywhere you go, you have an attitude. I remember my mom would say to me, uh, Todd, wipe that attitude off your face. Or she would say things like, don't give me any attitude. Uh, and attitude has only proliferated today. I was in the uh, Valencia Town Center uh, the other day, and I was uh, looking at some of the mannequins. Even the mannequins have attitudes these days. You walk by and it's like, who are you staring at, right? 
And it seems like everybody, everybody in the world has some sort of attitude. Some of you this morning are sitting here struggling with attitude. Uh, this morning, I want to remind you that doom and gloom is not a spiritual gift. And I, I believe Psalm 138 does a massive, massive attitude adjustment. Uh, every so often, i got to go get my tires adjusted. Uh, but more than that, I have to get my attitude adjusted, it seems like, on a daily basis. And some of you this morning, you're, you're kind of thinking about Thanksgiving. You're kind of thinking about uh, Turkey. You're thinking about heading out of here, heading home. Uh, and some of you are really excited about that. And some of you are not so excited about that. Some of you are thinking, oh, i got to go back home, i got to be with my family, and Uncle Bob's coming over for dinner, and Uncle Bob should be in jail, and, 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 and you're struggling with some sort of attitude. Uh, for some of you, you feel like your life right now, you have your feet firmly planted in midair. Some of you think that you don't have what you deserve. Uh, some of you here this morning... Uh, think that you have a right to stay here. Some of you think that you have a right to leave here as you head on home. Uh, if you're like me, I can find my attitude in the ditch many, many days. My, my wonderful wife, I, I met her when she was 12. Uh, she thought I was the Antichrist. And, and um, I stalked her for about five years. And I finally convinced her of God's will for her life was me. And... Um, she has a sweet and, and gentle spirit about her, and every so often she'll notice that my attitude needs adjustment, and she'll say something like, hey, hey, sweetie, I think, I think you're kind of being a grumpopotamus, um, which doesn't help, okay, and uh, it seems to, uh, seems to even make it worse at times, but, I, but she's right. Even pastors have trouble with their attitudes. Thankfulness, gratitude... Uh, is very difficult in our culture today, in a culture of entitlement, because we all deserve things. We have McDonald's screaming at us, you deserve a break today. The reality is we all deserve to die and go to hell today. But that doesn't sell hamburgers. And so we live in a culture that says, you know what, you really should have a chip on your shoulder, you really should have an, an attitude, and the Scripture calls us back over and over and over again to adjust our attitudes and, thank, and thankfulness, it seems like to be uh, the, the theme of Thanksgiving, right? And this morning, by God's grace, I want to help spark a wildfire of gratitude in your hearts as you head home so that you infect and infest your families with a sense of gratefulness and thankfulness. And I believe that the, one of the greatest books in the Bible to do an attitude adjustment is the book of Psalms. The books of, uh, book of Psalms opens up our spiritual eyes because the, the very name of it is this idea of praise and thanksgiving. And so this morning, I want to give you just the cliff notes on Psalm 138. Everybody know what cliff notes are? Cliff notes had a, had a significant ministry in my life when I was in college. <laughs> and I believe it to be yours, too. And so this morning, I want to give you just the cliff notes, and I want to just water ski through Psalm 138 to help do an attitude adjustment on me first, and then all of us collectively in this room, so that we really can embrace this coming week before us. So we turn now to Psalm 138. We turn to the book that Martin Luther called, he called it the Holy of Holies, because he says that's where you meet God. The Hebrew name for Psalms is, is praises. 
150 songs, about 73 of them are written by David himself. There are five separate books in the books of Psalms, and we come to Psalm 138, which is in the fifth book of the Psalms. And since Martin Luther says, let's meet God there, would you look with your own eyes and let's meet God together in Psalm 138. This morning, I want to give you, and I want you to see for yourself, five, everybody say five. That doesn't work. Say it louder. Five. I want to give you five things to to adjust your and my attitude with this Thanksgiving. If you're taking notes, and Jesus did, write these down. Number one, number one, I want you to see in verses one and two that David is going to say to us, I want you to cry out thanksgiving, and here's, what you, here's how you do it. You say, Lord, thanks for being my God. Lord, thanks for being my God. Look at verses one and two with me. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love, your faithfulness, for you have exalted above all things your name, your name, and your word. Remember, this is written by King David, a man who was after God's whole heart. He, he, was, he was a man who was just all about just honoring the Lord. He wasn't a perfect man. But his heart was bent towards the Lord. And he says in his own words, I must must follow you, notice verse 1, with my whole heart. David says, I'm all in on this. If you're going to ever have a sense of gratitude in the Christian life, you've got to get all in. And David says, I'm not going to half-heartedly follow you. Has anybody ever read, Seek ye third the kingdom of God? No, Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And David gets that, and he says, for there to be any type of gratitude, any type of thankfulness in Pastor Todd's life, it has to start with this idea that I have a God who's awesome, and I'm all in for him. It's not a matter of playing a hokey-pokey Christianity. I used to take my wife, we, well, she wasn't my wife when she was 12, but we would, we would, uh, we would go to Northridge Skateland. And I couldn't wait to the very last song because they dimmed the lights and it was the time you could go pick somebody to skate with and hold their hand. And so I would hold her hand for all of three minutes and 47 seconds as the song would play. It was awesome. <laughs> but what, you know what was really fun about that is right after the love song came a game we all played in the middle. It was called Hokey Pokey. And you remember how hokey pokey goes, put your right foot in, put your right foot out. Let's just stand and sing six verses. And it's the idea that I put my right, my, it's the idea that I, I put my right foot in and my right foot out, my left foot in, my left foot out. And here's the, here's the reality, loved ones. Some of you in this room are really struggling like I have with your attitude this Thanksgiving. It's because you've been playing hokey-pokey Christianity. You're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And and David says, here's the deal, if you're going to have any sense of gratitude, is you're going to have to worship the Lord with your whole heart. You're going to have to worship the, the, the Lord with your whole heart. Notice what he says there. He says, I give thanks, I give, I give you thanks before the gods. What does he mean there? It's the little G gods. 
He says, I, I want to give public acknowledgement. I want to speak well of you. I want everyone to know who you are and what you've done. He says, I want to be all in. I don't want to just be all in at church. I want, I want to be all in on Monday through Friday. I often tell my congregation that the easiest place to, for me to be a Christian is at church. I can out-Christian anybody at church. The, the real issue is what happens when you start in the parking lot. And, and David says here, my worship, my gratefulness, and my proclamation of who God is, it happens before the gods. It happens before the, those that are pagans, for those, before those that love Jesus and don't love Jesus. What David is saying here, he's reminding us that you and I, our life is a massive tweet to a, to a very non-believing culture. Your, your life, my life, is a, is a tweet to a culture who has no idea who God is. And the reality is that the strongest apologetic that anybody will ever bump up against is our very lives. And David says, I bow down before, the, before these pagan gods in these pagan places and I worship the one true God. There is no hokey pokey Christianity for me. And he says, notice this. He says, the Lord, you have, you have exalted above all things. He says, you, you've exalted above all things. Everybody say all. Your name and your word. Your name and your word. He says, first your name, what you're known for, that's God's glory. Your name represents your glory. All of us in this room have glory. It's what you're known for. When you hear the name Pastor Todd, if you know me, whatever comes to your mind, when you hear the name Pastor Todd, is my glory. That's who I am. And he says, you've exalted your name so that the things that come to our mind about you is your glory. And then you've exalted your word. You've lifted your word up above all things, not some things, but it's greater than everything in my life. It's greater, it's greater than my relationships. It's greater than my education. It's greater, it's greater than my, my relationship with my wife. It's your word is exalted above all things. And we live in such a day that we spend, we spend so much time on Facebook. And the reality David is reminding us here this morning is, is to get on Facebook, but to get our face in this book. Because this holds the future. This holds the truth. And David says, you know what? Unless you get God in his right position and, and you stop seeking the glory for yourself, you're going to be a very ungrateful person. There's something in our nature. We're glory hunters. We love glory. We, 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 we want to be recognized. And David says, that's not going to work. That's not going to work for gratefulness. That's not going to work for thanksgiving. We've all been around those people that wake up in the morning and stand in front of the mirror and sing how great thou art. You've been around those people that it's just all about them. They're sitting there, they're talking, they're talking, and everything, the whole conversation's revolving around them. They're like the sun. The universe just kind of just revolves around them. And then all of a sudden they catch themselves. Oh, man, I've just been talking about myself. <laughs> what do you think of me? David says, you know what, you know what, guys, if, 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 if you really think the world revolves around you, you will always be greatly disappointed. This is why Paul was so successful. 
Paul is so successful. Remember he said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. Do you remember what that means? Do you remember what Paul's saying there? He says, on the road to Damascus, guess what? Guess who died? I, I died that day. There is no more Saul of Tarsus. He's a dead man. And one of the things that I've been thinking about this Thanksgiving is, is we all talk about going out and shooting a turkey, getting a turkey. And I realized this week, you know what, Todd? I need, to, I need to shoot myself this week. I need to die to myself. I'm the turkey. Because when I begin to understand that I have been crucified with Christ and my past, my present, and my future all of a sudden belongs to him, then guess what? There is nothing that will come into my life that I can't give him praise for because he's working the all things together for good. Lord, Lord, thanks for being my God. Number two, write this down. Lord, thanks for listening. Lord, thanks for listening. Look at verse three with me. He says, on the day. I love this. Don't you love this? On the day I called. On the very day I called. What's the next two words? Don't you guys take English? What's the next two words? You answered. You answered. On the very day that I called, you answered me. And my strength and my soul, you increased. You're listening to me, Lord. You're there. You care. You're involved in the details of my life. You, you, don't, you don't just kind of push me aside. You're not this, this deity that we believe we're deists, where God has just kind of wound up the watch and he's walked away. No, he's intimately involved in my life. His fingerprints are all over it. You can't accuse God of not listening. God answers. God hears. God's right there. His nature is very different than ours. How many of us screen our calls? Ladies, how many of you block your calls? Yeah, I know you do. You see that guy's number come up and you're like, delete. Aren't you thankful God doesn't screen his calls? Isn't it amazing you and I, in just in a moment, in a second, I can have a conversation, watch this, with the creator of the universe? And on that day, David says, you, you answered me, you heard me. And David pauses for a moment and he says, man, the strength of my soul is increased. Why? Because, man, I know you're there and I know you care. I know you're listening. You're, you're, a, you're a good, good father. Some of you in this room are like me. You start to bum on your parents. Oh, man. I wish I had John's parents. Jesus says uh, to us in Luke chapter 11, he says, do you know how good your father is? Do you know how good your father is? He says to his disciples, do you understand that you, you, you who are human, that if your kid were to come to you and he was to ask for a fish, you, you, wouldn't, give him a, you wouldn't give him a snake. You who are humans, if your kid came to you and asked for an egg, you wouldn't give him a scorpion. He says, you understand you got a good, good father? And he hears you, and he's listening to you. He knows the very details of our life. 
Some of you in this room are saying, you know what, I, I, I get that theologically, but experientially, I just don't feel it right now. Can I remind you, feelings are like buses, a new one comes every 10 minutes. And understand that you may feel something, but that doesn't make it biblically true. David says that your Father who is in heaven, on the day that you call, he answers you. But loved ones, don't confuse God's delays as God's denials. He's such a good, good Father that sometimes he says, just wait, just wait in due season. You see, we, um, we want so many things. And David comes back and he says, don't, don't, don't miss this. Your, your father who is in heaven, he hears you. He's, he's answering you. And he says, thanks, thanks for listening, Lord. Number three, number three, you ready for this one? Lord, thanks for, thanks for long suffering. Thanks for long suffering. Da- David continues with this explosive gratefulness. I love, I love verses four through six here. It just jumps off the page. Notice what David says, and he's a king at this moment, okay? David's a king. He gets this, and he he says in verse four, he says, all the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. We just come off a, a massive political season, and, and David's sitting there. Hey, guys, you understand something here? The, the Lord's in charge of all this. The Scripture says that, that, that the Lord sits there, and he says, The heart of a king is like a river in the hands of God, and he just turns it any way he wants. And you and I are all stressed out here of who's going to win the election. And if you count all the numbers up in the Bible and you put them to the alphabet, you get the name Hillary. <laughs> and that's scary. And David says, stop for a moment. Have some, have some rationality here. Is that, that, man, God's got this all covered, and someday every king, every pompous potentate on the planet is going to give praise and glory to God. Chill out. It's, it's, he's just, he just explodes with gratefulness. Notice what he says here. He doesn't equivocate. He doesn't even kind of falter here. He says, the kings of the earth shall give you praise. And what he's reminding us is that you people, you people here, Pastor Todd, you need to understand something, that God is very patient. Don't get all worked up about the political season. Don't worry that the White House is going to be turned into Trump Tower. Understand this, that God is long-suffering. And I don't know about you, but I've read the end of the book. Guess who wins? God does. And he says, here's the deal. God is so long-suffering, he can wait for that day to happen. It was 2 Peter, 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3, 9, when when Peter writes, he says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He says, you you, you, you people in a political season, just chill out. Someday every pompous potentate will sing his praise. 
the most powerful brokers, power brokers, the most powerful kings, the most powerful presidents, they shall sing the praise of Jesus Christ. And, and David's reminding us, do you understand that the Lord is very patient to wait for that day? Patience, patience is, is, is difficult, isn't it? See, I, I'd much rather live... I'd much rather live in a microwave than a crock pot. I wish, I, wish, I wish there was a thing called microwave Christianity. But God, God, God says, no, I live in a crock pot. Things cook slowly. Let me ask you this question. You're smart people. You come to this college. Let me, let me ask you. Would you rather have a turkey this Thursday that was cooked in a microwave or in a crock pot? It's not a difficult question. You can, you can answer out loud. Crockpot. You know why? Because we understand that the slowness of it, what? It develops flavor. Watch this, loved ones. Every eye up here for a moment. It develops tenderness. And David says, you understand that God, God, lives, God lives in a crockpot. He doesn't live in a microwave. He's very patient. He's he's very kind. His patience is a kind patience. And David says there will be a day, there will be a day, there will be a day that all of these kings, all of these power brokers, they will confess Jesus Christ. What does he mean by that? He He says to us this morning, do you understand there is a coming day when Richard Dawkins, when Madonna, when Lady Gaga, when Bill Maher, all of a sudden will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and there will be a day that will roll off Bill Maher's tongue. Jesus is Lord! They will confess it. And David says, man, do you understand that God is not up there sipping on Malox because he's all stressed out about this. He's long-suffering. He knows that day's coming. Some of you are ticked off right now because you've been wronged and you want to make it right. Imagine how God could feel. And he says, I am, I'm telling you, David says, I'm telling you, he is long-suffering. Number four, number four. He says this, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you for your protection. Thank you for your protection. Look at verse 7. I love verse 7. He says this, though I, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Stop there for a moment. Anybody, uh, this last, um, this first semester of this year, anybody walk in the midst of trouble by show of hands? By show of hands? Anybody walk in the midst of trouble? Okay. You, all, the rest of you are just living the dream? <laughs> well, okay, good for you. Some of us walk in the midst of trouble. I would argue that every day we walk in the midst of trouble. We just don't realize it. We don't realize how dangerous life is. We think, oh, living here, living here on the earth, living here in an awesome town, it's great. No, let me just tell you, it's very dangerous here. This world is very dangerous. Notice what he says here. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, guess what you do? You preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. 
He, he says, the Lord, thanks for your handiwork in my life. One hand protects, one hand delivers. God, David understood God's protection. David was a king. He knew he had enemies. He knew that his life was a wanted life. He knew that there were people that would love to see him laying horizontally the rest of his days. And he says, do you understand? He preserves my life. He says, do you understand in the ancient Near East how many people want to kill me? But it's God who says, you shall live today. David, David, King David understands God's sovereign protection. Circle that phrase, you preserve my life. It's literally, if you translate it literally from the Hebrew, it's you let me live. You, you want a crazy fact? Here's a crazy fact. You realize that our president, any president of any party on any given day, gets over 30, over 30 life threats every day. 30 different people declare their desire to kill our president. And the Secret Service has to chase them down. You know the Secret Service keeps them, keeps them on a list Keeps them on a list by their town. And whenever a president goes into the town, the Secret Service goes into that town and takes all of those people out to dinner or out to lunch during the time that the president is in town just to keep them occupied. That's, that's crazy. And David says, do you understand this? You don't have Secret Service. You have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and he preserves your life. You say, well, it's not a big deal. When every time you go through a green light, he preserves your life. Do you know that um, one, one in ten coins and half of all dollar bills carry significant infectious germs on them? Every time you just touch money, you are touching organisms that could take your life in days. That's why we in the church say, give us your money, we'll clean it up for you. <laughs> you understand that we're on this planet called Earth? Right in the middle is this ball of fire. On the surface, that fire is 10 million degrees Fahrenheit. At the core of it, it's it's 25 million degrees Fahrenheit. And do you know that we're on this planet right now, and this planet is rotating on its axis, 1,000 miles an hour? Right now, you and I are, are circling around 1,000 miles an hour, just like this. You don't even feel it. You don't even understand it. But right now, we're churning like this, 1,000 miles an hour. And there's this massive ball of fire right in the middle of our solar system. And here we are, 1,000 miles an hour. Oh, and that's not it. Wait. Massive ball of fire, 1,000 miles an hour. And then we're whipping around the sun. We're whipping around the sun <laughs> at 65,000 miles per hour. You don't get it. <laughs> Some of you woke up this morning and went, oh, man, chapel, another day, another day. Another day, just, God's going to give me another day, he just has to. Okay, hang with me for a moment. We're on a planet, 1,000 miles an hour, and we're whipping around a ball of fire at 65,000 miles per hour. 
You still don't get it. I mean, you don't. Some of you, don't, you're like, oh, yeah, he preserves my life. What? How hard is that? 65,000 miles per hour. Some of you are going, oh, I'm bumming today. No, guess what you are? You're living today. You're living today. Gratitude. Gratitude springs from the deep down settled confidence that God is in control of every detail of my life. Number five, and finally with this. Lord, thanks for, thanks for your faithfulness. Thanks for your faithfulness. David concludes this Thanksgiving song with verse 8. He says, the Lord will... The Lord will, everybody say will. The Lord will, not might. It's not the Lord I hope so. It's not the Lord I'll I'll give it a try. It's the Lord will fulfill his promise for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. God, your steadfast love, your hesed love. That's a Hebrew word, hesed. It's a beautiful word. It's the covenantial love of God. It's the compassionate love of God. It's the mercy of God. It's the care of God. It's the I, I won't quit on you love. It's God looking you eye to eye and says, I know how ugly you are, but I am not, stay- I am not leaving. I'm not leaving. Some of, you, some of you here this morning, you may even be dealing with the fact that I wonder if God, I wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if God can keep loving me in spite of what, I'm, what I've done. I say to you this morning, his love has no expiration date on it. He doesn't tire of people like we do. Our love is an if-then if love. If you do this, then I'll love you. If you do that, then I love you. It's all, all based on if-then. His is a covenantal love. It's I set my love upon you. How long does it last? Is there an expiration date on it? No, he says it endures for how long? Forever. Forever. Well, doesn't he get tired of us? Yeah, he gets very tired of us. Can you imagine how Jesus would have been with the disciples if he wasn't, if he wasn't God? I mean, wouldn't they have driven you nuts? Peter, I would have melted his face off. You're in the upper room. You're in the upper room in the Last Supper. Somebody has to wash the feet. Who's the person that's supposed to get up and wash the feet? I'm not thinking Jesus, right? I'm thinking, Peter, you've said some stupid stuff the last three years. You need to get down and wash some feet. I'm thinking like uh, Nathaniel. What did you do? You just found him. Who cares? Get down and wash the feet. I read that passage and I'm like, Jesus is the last person I'm thinking is getting down washing feet. But guess what, guess what, guess what the, the Godhead's love is like? It endures forever. It endures 12 stinky fishermen. He doesn't quit. See, our love has expiration date. We, we get tired of people very easily. I get tired of people. You ever hide from somebody? Well, come on, don't lie at chapel. Have you ever hid from somebody? Yeah. 
You've seen them in the mall and you turn the other way. People just drive you nuts sometimes. I was in Smart and Final not long ago. They, they had one checker open. They had 7,000 people in the store. I was standing in line. It was, it was going, it was like Jesus was going to come back before I checked out. <laughs> and I lost it. I just, I just, I looked at the people around. How long is this going to take? And I yelled at the, yelled it up to the cashier. Hey, are you going to, you going to open up another check stand? Yeah, we will, sir. We will, sir, soon. And then I snapped. I just, I, I just stood there. After about five minutes, nobody opens up another check stand. I just said, excuse me, is anybody going to open up another check stand here? And I could hear behind me, somebody said, I don't think so, Pastor Todd. <laughs> I was thinking, you know what? I'm so thankful that the Lord has more patience than I do. Amen. I don't ever want to get what I deserve. I want grace and mercy. I need a God who looks at me and says, I've seen the ugly and I'm staying and my love endures forever. And he will fulfill his purpose for you. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this, Paul says, that he who begun a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Why? Because he's faithful. He does not quit on you. His love endures forever. Some of you, like me, are a work in progress. And that's okay. Because God says, you know what? Whatever I start, I will finish. And so this morning, in my rambling, my heart is simply this. My prayer for you as I was heading over here is that you would be encouraged this Thanksgiving to stop, stop, slow down for just a moment and take an inventory of not the things that you want, but to stop for a moment and realize what you have. Where are you, Lord? I don't see, I don't see you around. Lord says, I'm preserving your life. I'm preserving your life. Lord, I, I don't understand why this hasn't happened yet. In my education, the Lord says, I know I'm preserving your life. But Lord, it, it, it's not happening fast enough. I know. I know, the Lord says. Get out of the microwave. Come join me in the crock pot. And I'm going to make something of your life. I'm going to make you tender. I'm going to make you, with great season, I'm going to make you very flavorable. But would you just take a moment to stop and to, to slow down? The attitude adjustment that we all need is to be reminded of what we, what we have, not always the things we just want. So as I close this morning, I want to close in a kind of a modern-day prayer of Psalm 138, that if David was alive today and wrote Psalm 138, he might write it a little bit like this. And as I read these words, I, I just want them to wash over you. 
and for God to begin to season your heart for this Thanksgiving. To be reminded, loved ones, that we have a good, good Father. Would you bow and pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for... We are thankful for the taxes we pay because it means we are employed. Lord, we are thankful for the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means we have enough to eat. Lord, we are thankful for the person behind us at chapel who sings off key because it means that we can hear. Lord, we are thankful for the spot we find at the far end of a parking lot because it means we are capable of walking. Lord, we are thankful for the huge electrical bill because it means we are comfortable. Lord, we are thankful for all the complaining we hear about this election because it does mean we have freedom of speech. Lord, we are thankful for a lawn that needs mowing and windows that need cleaning and gutters that need fixing because it means we have a home to return to. Lord, we are thankful for the piles of laundry and ironing because it means our loved ones are nearby. Lord, we are thankful for the weariness and the aching muscles at the end of the day because it means we have been productive. And Lord, we are thankful for the alarm that goes off early in the morning because it means we are alive. You are a good, good Father. You are a good, good Father. And we love you so much. And we are eternally grateful. And we pray this in the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ.